just like that. <laughs> Hope that's not a memo of how the service is going to go. Hey, listen, if you guys are new, I'm weird, and um, sometimes I get awkward. Uh, God is doing a lot of things in me right now, and so I found myself crying for the most part between services today. Uh, I feel like God's healing me in a lot of different ways, and this message is a big part of it. Um, so I may just break out into spontaneous tears during this message. You're welcome to get someone else to preach if you'd like. <laughs> no one else signed up today. So here we go. We're talking about love. Um, I think that we're going to talk about, uh, I believe, what is maybe one of the greatest passages of literature in uh, human history. Uh, I think, man, this has to be supernatural. There's some really cool writings that people have written about things, but I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing 1 Corinthians 13, he didn't have like all these other books to like go from when he picked this. I mean, he was literally just downloading something crazy powerful from God. And I believe that this is like the core of everything that is biblical. And uh, really, the Lord is not just putting together some powerful words, but he is really defining not just what's important, but how to and what it looks like. And um, this is probably one of the most popular verses in Christianity. And uh, the simplicity of it makes it so easy to preach because it's like known. But because it's known, you've ignored it. And uh, I've ignored it and I've read through it. What do I mean? I have read this, uh, I've done probably 50 weddings. I've read it in just about every wedding I've done. I've uh, seen this quoted so many times on Facebook, it's unreal. Uh, and I've seen it in so many of your bathrooms hanging above your toilets. This is, I believe, the most popular passage of Scripture in the Bible and uh, in, in maybe the greatest piece of literature ever. So to make it sacred again, I wanted to see if we could all just stand for a few moments as we read God's Word and we pray. Cool. This is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 7. The Word of the Lord. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy and it does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Paul went on to say, love never fails. Jesus, would you speak? Amen. I, uh, the first service, it didn't go the way I wanted it to, uh, and I, I really feel, because I know this so much, but it's weighing so much the reflection of this verse looking back at me. This is my mission in life, and um, sometimes I fail at that. So today, rather than me talk to you, I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to talk to me, and if God gets a hold of you in this process, good for you. Is that cool? The next 40 minutes are for me. And if you get to hear anything, good for you. I believe that the Apostle Paul is setting a tone here. 
He's trying to define what we have redefined, love. He's establishing truth where we've replaced it with our own preferences, our own opinions, our own comforts, and our own culture. Paul isn't redefining it. We did. We just moved off of his truth. I think instinctively every human on earth was designed for relationship. We were designed to be loved. Yet we have so many walls up. Because love that was promised hurt us. People have hurt me. People have hurt you. And because of the way that we've been loved wrong, inappropriately, um, without fulfillment, sometimes we short others for our own benefit in pursuit of our own quick solution. And uh, this goes on and on and on and on and on and on. I'm reading this here today and I'm thinking, is Tim patient? Is he kind? Does Tim envy? Does he boast? Is he proud? Is he rude? Is he self-seeking? Is he easily angered? And for the most part, I think I um, believe that I do pretty good at this. There's this saying that you could substitute the word God in place of love, and it would teach you who God is. I don't know if you've ever done this before. But God is patient. God is kind. God is not easily angered. He is not rude. He is not self-seeking, and God keeps no record of wrongs. He does not delight in evil, but he rejoices in the truth. See, the idea of the Lord defining love for us is not because he's asking you to have these warm feelings that you had when you were in sixth grade, when you looked at that person and felt super like you were going to love them for the rest of your life. No, um... It's this commandment that we find in Scripture. It starts in Matthew chapter 22, where someone came to Jesus and said, what's the greatest commandment? Love. It's the greatest commandment that you would love the Lord with all of your heart, that you would love Him with all of your soul, with all of your mind and all of your strength. Jesus said there's another one, that you would love your neighbor as though they are yourself. This is in Matthew chapter 22, verse uh, 36 through 38, I believe. And he says, the, the, the second is like it, but it's not the first, but I want you to love your neighbor as though they are yourself. He says, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. Commands, not suggestions. What does God want for you? I can tell you. There's a lot of things that we think that God wants for us. There's a lot of things that we want for ourselves. You know what many of us want for is more money. Uh, We want to be more popular. We want more people to like us. I want more Facebook likes, right? I want more Instagram likes. I want people to think that I'm awesome and I want to have great things. I don't know if you realize it, but you have this struggle in you. I have this struggle in me. It's rooted in all of us. 
The Lord would not suggest to you that there is something more important than those desires. He would command it. He said, you must love him and you must love others. And yet somehow we've made it a priority of going to work more important than getting a PhD in this subject. I'm not hoping that the church would be better at this. I'm saying it's the very reason why we don't have more people in churches because we have failed so much at doing this while boasting that we know God. I know God. He loves me. But I think you're an idiot. This happened to me this week. So embarrassing. I did it. Your pastor, I watched uh, the great debate that happened this week. (laughs) And I judged two people who have the most difficult jobs in human history. Any of you, sign up to do what they've taken on. And it's so easy to look at both of them and think, man, they're, they're idiots. They're buffoons. Really, they're terrified of rejection. What if they lose? All the money they put in this, all the supporters, they have so much weight riding on their shoulders. Losing would be so embarrassing. I didn't have any patience for what I saw. I saw two buffoons. I saw our country going right down the toilet as if they actually have anything to do with it. It was so embarrassing how angry I was at both of them. You may love one or the other. You may love both of them. I didn't. And God convicted me so much. Because I didn't, what God said in my heart didn't look like him. Let me go a little deeper here. John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, uh, the scripture would say this. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. Realize that this passage of Scripture here in 1 Corinthians isn't um, poetry. It's not really good literature. It's maybe the most important thing that we do on the face of the planet. Yet I have placed so many priorities in my own life above making sure that mankind discovers God because of the way I've experienced Him. And so what I realize is, um, this is not part of my notes and and maybe not even be biblically correct. I I want you to make sure you know... um, don't listen to what I'm saying. Study this. And make sure that um, what, I'm, what you're hearing today is biblically sound. Always do that. This is the most sacred thing on the face of the planet. And um, yeah. I, I think that the things that cause me to be angry at my children is the very thing that God is trying to heal in me. I think the very judgment that I cast on someone else is the very hurt that's actually in me. Hurt people hurt 
people. And this scenario of me being unloving is the very nature of what God's trying to do within me. When we read these verses, uh, back to you just for a moment, love never fails. Love is patient. Are you patient? Are you kind? Do you envy? Do you boast? When you hear these words, I wonder what you've experienced in your life. I think a lot of us are shorting others because we've been shorted. We have this wound that we didn't deal with. And it's others are experiencing the shortness. They're getting our hurt. And I believe that this would be so much easier if I could just come to God and fully trust Him with my life. This passage of scripture, I stopped there and want to rewind it back um, two weeks. We started this thing. This conversation is actually not about love at all. It's about spiritual gifts. And the purpose of gifts was to change the world. The Lord loves giving gifts. He loves. The Father loved man so much that he wanted to be with them. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Jesus sent Jesus to earth to love us and to show us what love looked like, what kindness, what generosity, what healing looked like. God is loving. He's so kind. And Jesus loved us so much that he knew he couldn't be with seven billion people on the planet all at once that he said, I'm going to die so that you can have the gift of the Holy Spirit. And um, the Holy Spirit would be with you always even to the ends of the earth. Even if you made your bed in hell, he'd be with you. He loves you. And so Jesus only would speak on behalf of the Father and the things that he sees and hears from the Father. And the Holy Spirit would only speak on behalf of the things that Jesus shared with him. This gift of the Holy Spirit would not just be with you, but it would be in you. It would be upon you. It would be among you. It would be within you. And this gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit would empower you with this ability to change the known world. The gift of the Holy Spirit would actually put gifts in your life that would anoint you to reach a dying world. Every one of us has this desire to love and to be loved. And we all have this desire to make a difference. It's crazy. We want to do great things. We dreamed when we were little kids, six years old, we're going to do great things, you know. I don't know what that dream was, but uh, we all had ambition. I don't think any of us dreamed when we were six years old that one day we'd um, get a job and work nine to five and then come home and watch television all night long. This is the life we're living, you know? Holy Spirit wanted you to have a gift. And that gift actually wasn't for you. We talked about these gifts, gifts that God wanted us to have within the church. Many of us don't like the gifts that are all in the church, but Jesus said it was important that we would look different, act different, talk different, be different. And uh, I have found such difficult times with the gifts of the Spirit we mentioned them. There's 16 of them that are currently listed in Scripture, and they're all unique. Uh, here's just five of them I picked out, and I think it's so funny how important all of these are in the church. What's funny is these gifts hate each other. They, they, they hate each other. And if you have any one of these gifts, you don't like the other one. And if you say that you do, you're lying. I'll prove it. People that have wisdom, people that have faith get on their nerves. 
Is this guy saying it doesn't have to make sense? God's just going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. And this guy's like, yeah, but uh, we got to pay bills with that thing, Jack. You know, <laughs> show me how it breaks down. And the guy who's saying it's, it's got to make sense. This guy's going, well, we got to believe. We need them each, you know, because if you only had this guy, we wouldn't have a light bill paid this week. Anyone disagree with me here? Right? This is biblically sound stuff. And then we have the, the gift of the prophecy. Man, this guy is fantastic, right? He tells everyone what's, what's good and what's not good. And I always thought that like, like you know, when you're in real super spiritual churches and, and there's people prophesying and telling people that God's, you know, th this is happening and this is happening. What's always funny to me is I struggled with this years ago. I, 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 I got saved and I went to a real spiritual church where we saw God do crazy signs and wonders. You ever been to a church like that? Super cool. This guy annoyed me so much. I wanted to be this guy, and this guy got on my nerves. This is the gift of administration. This means the guy says that things got to be in order. We got to have details dealt with. And I always thought, hey, look, if God's really moving, there shouldn't be a schedule. We should just let this thing go, go, go. God's moving. I don't know if you know, but when, uh, when uh, on, before, on the first day when God created the heavens of the, uh, and the earth, when and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the earth, you know, it was a full day. There's a timeline to this thing and everything. It was timed. Tomorrow, the sun's still going to come up at the same time. God has perfect order, and he's got galaxies in their perfect place. All the details have already been made. We just don't like each other. And this guy's like, you guys are driving me crazy. And uh, it all is needed to make the body of Christ work. We're talking about the gifts and how the church is needed to see the gifts of God flow so we can reach the lost. Because there's this empowering thing that Jesus prayed for in John 17 before he went to the cross. And he said, I really, uh, really want to see the church one. Because if the people would come together and be who, God's, who I've called them to be and be anointed to do the things that, that I've anointed them to do, there is a world out there that couldn't deny these people that are coming together and giving real community. I'm talking about people like, that aren't paid to be here, but you're here because you want to give. You want to serve. You want to help. You want the world to know how much loving God is and what he's done in my life. And so I've got to give back. That is so weird. It has to be supernatural because people generally only give when they're getting something out of it. But I've given because I've got so much goodness happening on the inside that I, how can I not give? How can I not, God has loved me, he's healing me, he's loving me, he's healing me. I mean, it just doesn't make sense how good it is. I got to serve. Does it make sense, anyone? Cool. Well, last week we talked about the spiritual gifts. And uh, we said this simple, this, today's message is so simple. It's so simple, it's easy. The problem is, I don't like simple. I want to move on. I want, to do, I want deeper things. Ain't nothing deeper that we're going to talk about today than the heart of God. Okay? So he's given us these gifts. We said two weeks ago, he said that God has made us with a purpose and for a purpose. With a purpose and for a purpose. God has put a gift inside of you that is not for you. The gift of prophecy was not for you. The gift of wisdom was never meant for you. He made you wise to help me see what I'm doing wrong. He gave you the gift of prophecy to help me see through darkness. He gave you the gift of faith to give me hope. Your gift is for me. 
My gift is for you. Every three-year-old that ever received a Christmas present, the next thing that the parents told them was, share. (laughs) Share your gift, guys, with each other. So we have this gift. And many of us are wondering, how do I use these gifts, right? So before we get into 1 Corinthians 13, I have to rewind it back just a second and read 1 Corinthians 12, just the end of it. This is really powerful, or at least it was to me. Check this out. You're going to like it. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. Each of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, and those having the gift of healing, and those who help others those with gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. But are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work in miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Eagerly desire greater gifts. I'm going to stop there for a second as we're talking about spiritual gifts. I want you guys to know that it is important that you desire greater things. It is important that you desire to do things beyond your ability. Because if you find comfort in where you are and what abilities you have, you're not growing. The idea of us having the Spirit of God inside of us is that we should desire to do things beyond our ability. I love the story of that Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 where the woman is at the well and he had this encounter with her and he knew things about her that she didn't even talk about. He was telling, I, I know your hurts and what happened in your life when you were and the husband that lied to you and the husband that left you and, and I know all these things. And Man, who is this guy? I want to be able to walk into someone's life and say, I know what you've been through. Hey, I know you have a hurt in your right leg. Can I pray for you right now? I want to see God heal you. I want to do that. I want to be able to do things beyond my ability. And the Bible says that it's still possible. Jesus said that I can do greater things than he did. And he did some pretty stinking great things. Amen? Amen? And so the Apostle Paul is asking us to desire greater gifts. I want to be great. I want to be a great husband. I want to be a great father. I want to be a great pastor. I want to be a great coworker. I want to be a great friend. I want to be a great servant. I want to be a great administrator. I want to be a great worshiper. I want to be a great prayer. I want to be a great, I want to be great for Jesus. I don't need you to like my Facebook posts. I don't need to be great for y'all, but I want to be great for him. And I want to do things that matter to him. I want to make an eternal difference. You know what I'm talking about? Now, eagerly desire greater gifts. Greater is beyond me. It's beyond you. I hate the comfort of the modern day church. Sickening, really. How we have just gotten to the point where I know where I worship, I know where I sit, and I'm good with my religion. I believe it turns God off. No, 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 no. How do I know that? There is not a marriage on the planet that is okay with being just as it is. We want it to get better, right? We want every relationship to get better. I want to have more memories. I want to go do more fun things. I want it to get better. 
This is where you can nudge your husband right now. You know, like, hey, I want it. And this is what God wants. He wants, put in some work, dream a little bit. Let's believe that there's more happening and going to happen. We're in a relationship and we're growing. Desire greater gifts. Well, the very last verse of this chapter, he says, now I will show you a more excellent way. More excellent than the gifts. Last week was super cool. There was several of you, I, at least four of you, uh, but the evangelist inside of me wants to say there was like 14 in you. You know, That came up to me and was like, Pastor, that message was so good. How do I discover my gifts? The Apostle Paul is going to show you right here. I'm going to show you a more excellent way than you figuring out what your gift is. I know you want to know what your gift is. Let me show you a more excellent way. Okay? The next three verses, I believe, are the most difficult verses in the Bible for me to process. I hate it. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. And it's so good for us to hear as the body of Christ. This is heavy, and I may cry. But this is good for us. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. What he's saying is that it is possible to have a supernatural gift and not love. It's possible. It's possible for your pastor to be a very good communicator and not love humans. But I'd only be making noise to him. And at the end of our life, how awful would it be for eternity for us to receive the praise of man? Rachel, she sounded so good. She was like an angel. And stand before God and say, but you didn't love people. You missed the greatest commandment, Rachel, but she sounded so good to the Way Community Church and all of our viewers online. But the Lord was like, I, I watched you at the bank. I watched you explode to the person standing at the public. Like, you didn't, you didn't care. You were just making noise all the rest of the times. It's super possible to have supernatural abilities and just make noise. Verse 2, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and even if I have faith that can literally move mountains, but I have not love, read this with me, I am nothing. Wait a second, but that wouldn't look like that on Instagram, I can tell you right now. If I had the ability to know what was going down in the election and I told everyone about it, you know how many followers I'd have on Facebook next week, y'all? This is the way we see things. We see things through the eyes of everyone. Look at how great I am. 
This is why TV evangelists have done so poorly for the gospel. I'm not implying that it's not necessary. It is. And they have done great things with the gospel. But man, we can, we can strain at the gnat and swallow the camel. It's a scripture. In, it's like yeah. The splinter in your eye. You don't see the, pl- the splinter in their eye. You don't see the plank in your own. He, he's saying like, you can have supernatural giftings and not the greatest gift, which is love. Because you have a gift inside of you. I want you to understand. You can, you can do supernatural things. You can possess the gift of healing and never actually like anybody. You can be a door greeter and not like anyone that comes through the door. You can, you can have the gift of, of faith and intercession and not care about people. And he's saying, if you do that, great job. You're no one. And the problem is our focus is on making money tomorrow. I'm going to be a better coworker. But God, the Lord Jesus, the creator of our DNA is saying, if you want to be great, love. You want to be great in heaven. Love. Yeah, but you don't know what I've seen. You don't know. People suck. I mean, people are rude. They're jerks. They're sure like love. So were you. So are you. So was your pastor. I have to blame it on me first because you guys have to understand like we all have to take ownership of these verses that we're reading and really like this is so important like because love is patient, love is kind, love is, it's the hardest reflection. And God is calling me to be greater. And greater isn't outward, it's inward. You can fix the outside of the cup, but what's going on under the hood is the Lord sees. And that's what he's saying. I want to heal what's going on in here. Everything else. You want to know what your gifts are? The gifts are going to overflow out of your life if you love. I was praying for this time together, and um, I felt like it was good for you to understand that it's not the tool It's the power behind the tool. It's not the arrow that kills anyone. It's the the, the, the power that releases it. It, It's not the bullet. It's the gunpowder. It's the goal. It's like the power of God is the love of God. And so what we're trying to actually give people is not administration or faith. Or prophecy. What we're trying to do is use the DNA that God has put inside of us to love the brokenness in people. And the reason why others is they're so difficult to love is because we're not receiving it ourselves. When I'm really angry at someone else who's done wrong, I'm angry at them because I've not allowed God's patience with me. I've not received that. So when I'm not patient with Trump or patient with someone, like I want to think about the scenarios of times where we're unloving. And with all good intentions, we have the reason to not want to love a homeless guy. 
He smells. He put himself there. He made those decisions himself. He probably wants to be there. So, love him. Okay, but what about a thief? They're a liar. They're the worst kind. You mean to tell me that everyone in your life knows what's going on in your life? What, what about a murderer? What about uh, someone who's had an abortion? I mean, that's just terrible. You know God loves people that have had abortions? You know that God loves murderers? You know that God loves pedophilers? You know that God loves uh, liars and thieves? And He loves people. And people do bad things, and it's probably because they've hurt someone. They're hurting because they're hurt on the inside. And so I want you to understand the love of God is the grace of God. And if we could just take a moment and receive that same love that God's loving you, then it's easier to understand what's going on. You understand how patient he's been with you, how kind he's been with you, how willing he's been, like gentle he's been with you. As I read through this, God is love, God is patient, God is kind, he is, does not envy, he does not boast, he is not proud, he is not rude, he's not self-seeking. Like I, I realize he wasn't self-seeking when he sought me. He sought me and I didn't like him and I didn't want him. And I actually, when I sin, Tim, your pastor, when I sin, I don't want God. I want what I want. And instantly, you know when you've done something wrong because your stomach turns and you know that God, that's the Lord saying, I'm coming, I lo- I'm not gonna leave you. I'm still with, my wife says this thing all the time. She got it out of some movie where some mom and some kid, some kid did something stupid and mom uh, like was, was like telling them they love them and the kid was angry at mom and the mom said, my wife says this all the time to our kids, there's no space between us. And the kid's like, I don't like you. And I was like, there's no space. I love you anyway. I'm not gonna leave you. And so we're trying to love the world with these, we've, we've graduated to move on to spiritual gifts. But the power, the driving force behind the gifts is love. And many of us are like, yeah, but I'm not good at loving people. Oh, I know. Because you're not letting him love you. If you've known what you're doing, yeah, but I, I, I'm not drunk, I don't get drunk, I don't party... Do you have pride? It sounds like it. Do you know how gross that is? Pride was the first sin. It's what's created all of this destruction. And the hope of the world is for them to know how much love we have for one another how much grace we have for one another, how much kindness is in our midst. The key ingredient to our spiritual gift is not what. Not what our gift is, but why. Please hear me. I felt like this is the only thing that God really told me to say. Why? Why does God love you? Why does God love them? Why did God send his son? Why is the spirit of God here today? 
Why is God patient? Why is he kind? Why does he keep no record of wrongs? Why is he not easily angered? I believe God cares. Let's just take away the word love for a second to oversimplify this whole thing. When I care about what's going on in, you, in your world, I'm choosing to listen. When I'm fighting with my wife, the reason why we're fighting is because I want her to hear me more than I'm willing to hear her. I'm trying to be right. The moment that I choose to listen and understand how she feels, we can move forward. There are people in your life that have hurt. Why does the church exist? We exist because of divorce. I want to feel that when I use my spiritual gift. When I know that people are broken, they feel unloved, they feel abused or taken advantage of, I want our church to exist as a shining beacon of hope. When I know that people have been lied to or stolen from, I want our church to be a shining beacon of hope because I feel that. I care. Jesus felt my brokenness, and he came after me. In the same way that he came after me, I want to go after, that's what love is. It has empathy in it. It has compassion in it. it, has, it, it, it it's aware of what's happening beyond my own situation. Do you love? One of the biggest problems I've found within the modern day church is that we only have room to love three or four people. And we turn our back on everyone else. And it's because we are not aware of what's going on in their life. Right now in politics, we're not aware of what anyone else is saying. We're just aware that we're right. And it comes off to a lost world. I don't know what you're selling, but I'm not buying On behalf of God, I just, man, what is all this about? How, how do we get to the point where we learn how to love? It's about souls. It's about souls. It's about souls. It's not about me being right. It's not about me showing you that my way is correct. It's about the fact that I recognize that there's an eternity. And what if? I want to, I care about you. It's about your soul. It's about your soul. It's about your soul. Not what is your gift. Why? Because we want to reach the lost for eternity. All of this is about souls. Rachel, would you come? I don't think we ever graduate from loving but I know that loving is so easier when I recognize that people have things going on in their souls they have hurt right here in this room today would you all do me a favor would you bow your heads and close your eyes there are people that are hurting right now there are people that are wounded 
You've been lied to by a pastor, by an ex-lover, by a friend, by a parent. You're hurting. And I just want you to know that the love of God is patient with you. He'll wait until you're ready. The love of God is kind. And he keeps no record of wrongs. Like sometimes when we hear these scriptures, I know that it weighs on us like, man, I'm failing. He's not failing. His kindness to you will teach you how to love others if you let him love you. There are some here today and you need to experience the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God that loves you just as you are. And he'll call you to be greater. He'll make you greater. Greater will be what happens because he's making you whole. Today, it's not about anyone else, but it's about you. Two things before we sing this song. If you're here today and, and you'd say, I struggle to love others. If that's you, would you raise your hand? You, maybe God's circled someone in your own heart. That's awesome. I'm having a hard time loving others. so beautiful tonight from God's I can almost hear this so prophetically right now the spirit of God is so strong on me some of you need to experience the grace of God here and the love of God and the healing of God with every head bowed and every eye closed if you know that that's you would you raise your hand God bless you God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. I'm going to ask you to be so brave right now. Would you just stand to your feet as Rachel sings this song? Be so brave. I just want you to experience the grace of God. I'm telling you, it's going to wash over you like a wave from the ocean. Watch this. Stand to your feet if you need to receive healing. Right now. I was your foe, still your love far from me. The Holy Spirit is here. Ain't nothing to be embarrassed about, man. We're all in this. You have been so, so good to me. Heal me, God. When I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. Jesus, 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 Jesus. And you have been so, so kind to me. Spirit's here. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm down, leaves the night. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve you it. Love us, God. Still, you, you love us, God. You love us, God. You forgive me, that you love me still, God.
pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. Absolute forgiveness. As far as the east is from the west. And that hurt. I speak healing over you in Jesus' name. I speak healing over you and forgiveness from them and forgiveness for you. Let the love of God that surpasses knowledge and the grace of God fall upon you. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't Jesus, would you all stand with me, church? Let's work with all of our hearts. Let's love him. Let's worship him. There's no wall you won't kick down. Because of his faithfulness, because of the grace of God. God loved me so I can love them. thing the world has tried to like duplicate it but it's so circumstantial it's only on our terms it's so supernatural to really love someone when you know what they've done and so when you see real humanity it's so easy to throw stones at and that's why We'll know how to love them when you actually experience these waves of recognizing how much we don't deserve. 
I feel like the richest human being on the planet because I'm aware of what's wrong with me and I recognize how much he loves me. And that's how I know this world has a chance because God's not going to stop pursuing them. And the craziest thing, he's going to use people like us to get them. Let's sing this again before we go, man. Oh, man, I just... Holy Spirit's here. today simplest passage in all of the Bible the hardest one to live out I pray that we're all students of the gospel and we figure out how to get this thing right chances are in six minutes we're gonna we're gonna mess this thing up but I've learned that the grace of God is gonna get me right there and that's how I'm gonna love this world Hey, man, I love you guys with all my heart. I'm learning to anyways. I'm trying to. Some of you are hard to love, you know. We're going to figure this thing out. I bless you guys today with a love that is beyond your understanding. And you would recognize that you are the richest humans on the planet. Because the creator of the known universe still likes you. That's a good day. God bless you guys. I love you, man. Next week, <laughs> it's going to be the cherry on top. You're going to like it. It's going to be good.